All right, if you have a Bible, then uh, turn to the book of Judges, which is near the front of your Bible. If you hit Deuteronomy, keep going right. Joshua, keep going right. If you hit 1 Samuel, you've gone too far. Go back. We're taking a break from our study on Colossians, because today we're going to talk about what's going to happen to Midtown. Where are we going? And... Uh, it may not be news to you as you walked through the, uh, the construction zone or the war zone or rode our glorious trolley. I wish our trolley driver was here. We would cheer her on. Um, it's no new news. And I want to say up front that uh, I'm sorry. I know a lot of you feel like you're just out of the loop as to what's been going on. We've known for some time now that uh, Rocket Town was going to be torn down that it got imminent domained by the city that's building the huge convention center next door. And uh, so a lot of you have been asking me and other staff members and leaders in the church, what's going on? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? And there's not been a lot of answers because there really is no loop to be in. Uh, we really didn't have any answers to give to you. Like, we didn't know, ah, yeah, let's keep this a secret, but we're actually moving to LP Field. And... Uh, <clears throat> So, uh, but we've not just, you know, it's been cool because you guys as a community and our leadership here has not freaked out at all. It's been like, hey man, Jesus is Lord of the church. Uh, we're his and, and uh, I don't know how he's going to solve this, but hey, Jesus, what are you going to do? Uh, but I don't want you to think that us doing that means that we just uh, sat around and uh, just did nothing that we've been uh, knocking on doors and seeing what doors the Lord has for us to open. As a matter of fact, we've made a little video to illustrate to you all the doors that we've knocked on and all the places that we've looked at as potential new homes for Midtown. And the reason is, a year ago, Rocket Town didn't know where they were going or if they could go anywhere. We didn't know where we were going, so they were searching, so we were searching too. And here's a little montage of what the last year has been like for your staff, all right? Thank you, everybody, for working on that. Love the gathering teamwork. Well, as you can see, we've, that's just a taste of what we've looked at over the last year. And it's really been remarkable. Uh, I want you to know this, that the churches here in the city uh, have come to us one after another and have said, hey, we hear you guys are losing your building, how can we help? And it's really remarkable when you realize that the body of Christ is alive and functioning and is so willing to step over denominational lines to serve one another. So it's been remarkable. But here is the plan. We are leaving this building on May the 2nd. That is four weeks from today. And we are moving to a Sunday night service We'll be moving to a 5 o'clock service at West End Community Church. This is a temporary move for us because Rocket Town has bought a building. They're in the process of renovating that building. It's about three blocks from here, over between 4th and 5th Avenue. When they finish that renovation, we will move out of West End Community Church back into Rocket Town. Yes. Now, there's more to the story, because your leadership have, has decided and has put together a team of super ninjas, 
that uh, we are going to find our own space. That uh, after we move into Rocket Town, we have a team that is looking for our own space that, uh, that will be ours 24-7. And let me tell you why. For three reasons. One, uh, we love our children here at Midtown. And they are awesome. And we have asked them for seven years now to make sacrifices by meeting in coffee shops, skate parks, closets, you know. And uh, we really feel called to care for your kids and to love the kids that God brings through the doors here. And we need a space because the new Rocket Town facility is going to be great, but it's not going to be as great as we'd like it to be for our kids. It's still going to be a skate park, coffee bar venue. The second reason is that we have a lot of vision for how we would like to bring more ministries to you and to the city. And we need facilities throughout the week to be able to do that. And the third, just financially speaking, it just makes sense over the long haul for us to have our own space. So you need to be praying because we're going to West End, then we're going to Rocket Town, then we're going to our own space. No more, woo! <laughs> you know, and I want to talk about that this morning because we're moving three times. And what's going on here? Are things falling apart? I mean, is this bad news for Midtown? Is this where we go, oh, you know, the Lord's turned against us, you know? How do we view all this? And I want to challenge us this morning as a community that we would stand together and view what's going on through the gospel. And let me explain. We believe in the gospel that God is on the move, don't we? We believe that we serve a God that is moving, and that he's actively moving in the direction of us. We see it uh, in Genesis. God came looking for Adam and Eve, didn't he? We see it in the story of Abraham. We see it in the story of Moses, or in David, or even in the disciples. Jesus said, you know, I chose you, you didn't choose me, or I saw you under that tree. Jesus came looking for his disciples. We have a God that is on the move. And this is remarkable. You know, in John chapter 5, uh, the Pharisees were challenging Jesus because he was healing people on the Sabbath. And they were turning against him because he was doing work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, I mean, it was like the nuclear bomb that he threw into our story and into the story of these people when he said, my father is always at his work to this very day, even on the Sabbath. And then he said, and I too am working. That means that here in the city, our God is working. He is moving. He was moving long before Midtown was ever founded, and he's going to move long after Midtown is gone because our God is a redemptive God that is on the move. Both the Father and the Son are working because our God is a missional God. Listen to uh, Leonard Sweet. He puts it this way in his book, So Beautiful. The universe was created by a God in motion a God in, in mission, a God who goes and tells all gatekeepers to let my people go, a God who goes out, a God who goes before, a God who goes with, a God who is constantly creating. I think T.S. Eliot uh, put it another way. Listen to what he says. At the still point of the turning world, neither flesh nor fleshless, 
neither from nor to, toward. At the still point, at that still point, there the dance is. Our God is on the move, and I believe that He's on the move, and He's calling us, His people, to the dance. That He is calling us to dance to the rhythm of His movement, and what He's about, and what He's seeking to accomplish, and what He's doing. He's calling you guys, us, the church, to dance with our Father. So what does that look like? Let's go to Judges, chapter 6. Our staff studied this at our staff retreat uh, a few weeks back, and I uh, thought it was appropriate for us to talk about it. This is the story of a guy named Gideon. And Gideon lived in an Israel in a time where they were ruled by judges, meaning that Lord, the Lord sent them uh, leaders here and there. Maybe you've heard of Samson. He was one of the judges. And what was going on is that Israel was rebelling against God, and uh, it says in there that each, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And they were in hard times because the Midianites were, uh, were persecuting them. This was a, uh, a group of nomads that the Bible says that they, their number was as vast as locusts, meaning that when they covered a valley, there was no way to count the number of them in the thousands, you know, thousands upon thousands of these people. And we'll hear, we'll hear later uh, that they had over uh, 30,000 warriors. So they were traveling with their families, and they would come into Israel, and when they would come in, they would come in with no mercy. And they're swords, they're warriors, they're stealing the grain, they're destroying the crop, they're taking any livestock that they can feed their families, and they're just butchering people that get in their way. So what had happened was the Israelites had decided the best way for us to deal with this now is to move into the caves and the mountains. So they had left their home, their normal way of life, and they moved into the caves. They were impoverished. I mean, it was bad. And when we come in on this story of Gideon, he's actually in a wine press and he's thrashing wheat. Now, it's important for us to understand that you don't thrash wheat in a wine press. What do you do in a wine press? Exactly. How much do you drink? <laughs> so Gideon is in this wine press, which is made for wine, and he is thrashing wheat. Why? Well, he's afraid. He's afraid that these nomad warriors are going to find him, and they're going to see his wheat, and they're going to take it away from him. So he's hiding out in this wine press. He's doing his work, and an angel of the Lord comes to him. Gideon, along with everybody else, is afraid, he's hopeless, and he's discouraged. Chapter 6, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, there are two things here that are remarkable, and two things that Gideon was up front and said to the angel, I don't believe any one of them. One is... The Lord is with you. He said to this angel, he said, the nerve you have to come here and tell me that the Lord is with us. Look what's going on. Look at verse 13. But sir, he was respectful. Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
Where are all his wonders that our father told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's put us in the hands of the Midian. You hear what he's saying? Open your eyes. This is not good. And if it's not good, that equals God is not with us. <laughs> I'm never like that. You know? Of course we get like that. Of course it's easy for us to take up the glasses of our circumstances and look up to the heavens. And if things are awesome and we've won the lottery, God is good. Let's dance. You know? But if things are bad and your marriage is rotten or you're not in a marriage and you want to be or maybe you're struggling with depression or maybe you're physically not feeling well or whatever, it's easy to put on the glass and say, God, where are you? You're nowhere to be found. Then he says this. The Lord turned to him and said, yeah, I hear what you just said. Go in the strength you have and save Israel. In other words, he was repeating the message before. The Lord is with you, and you are a mighty warrior. And then Gideon says, oh yeah, about that mighty warrior thing. But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. You see what's going on here? is that Gideon was saying to the angel of the Lord, I have a very broken view of what it means that God is with me when I'm going through a hard time. And then he goes much deeper, and he says to the angel of the Lord, I have a very broken view of me. I can't see the Lord in this circumstance, and I can't see me in this circumstance. I'm living in fear, I'm living in a wine press, I'm living discouraged, and I'm living hopeless. When I was reading this, I thought, that's just so natural, isn't it? I mean, it's just so natural. There, the song, Patty Griffin, uh, you ever heard the song, Sweet Lorraine? The very last words in that song are just so fitting because we go, of course, she had a tragic life. And the last words are, in the battle of time and in the battle of will, it's only our hope and your heart that gets killed. And it gets harder and harder, Lorraine, to believe in magic when what came before you is so very tragic. And we hear that and we go, of course. Of course. When life has crushed you and taken everything away from you, where is God and who are you? You're nobody and God is gone. And what the angel of the Lord was saying to Gideon is, Gideon, step up. Step up to this place and see things from my perspective. See that I'm with you and see who you are. Psalm 36, verse 9, David says, In your light we see light. And that's what this angel was doing, is he was bringing light to Gideon to open his eyes to bring light to everything, including himself. See, I think he's doing the same thing here. I really do. Because Midtown, do you know who you are? You're the bride. You're the beloved. The Lord says you are mine. We are the ones that have been ransomed. 
Our identity is changed by the work of Christ and by his work alone. Grace has opened up for us the supernatural. We have the promises of sons and daughters, not because of what we've done, not because of what we were going to do, but because of what he has done for us. You know, we've been studying Colossians, and we've taken so much time to talk about who was Jesus and what did he do before we ever started talking about what do you do. Why? Because we want you to know that he has the authority to say who you are. He has the power and the authority to say, this is who you are. See, we no longer wear the identity of the wine press. In other words, we don't wear our identity and our view of circumstances through fear, hopelessness, and discouragement. We don't wear the identity that we are what we have done. Or more, we are what we have not done. Or we don't wear the identity anymore of what has happened or what is happening defines who we are. We don't wear the identity where you are or where you are not is who you are. We don't even wear our circumstances. Why? Because we wear a greater identity that Christ has purchased for us on the cross. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. What was finished? That I have been purchased. For those that are covered in the blood of the Lamb, we have been purchased out of slavery, we've been ransomed into the family and been given a new name. So we are being called into this remarkable, messy, wrecking journey of believing the words of God. And he's calling us to dance with that. This may not seem profound to you. Have you ever had this experience? Where someone has said an encouraging word to you. And you go, oh, gee, shucks. You're great, too. I call it the, uh, the jujitsu turnaround. You know, you give me a compliment, it's back to you. I'll teach a class later. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we do the flip back? Okay. Have you ever had somebody do this to you when you do the flip back? They go, stop it. Just receive it. Look at me right now. You are beautiful. Well, you're cute too. Shut up. Receive this. Let it hit your heart. Stop. Be quiet. You are beautiful. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever done that to somebody? What does that do? It gets them past all the wine press thinking, doesn't it? Well, that's not really true, but that's nice of you to say that. No. And that's what the Lord is doing here. He's saying to us, Midtown, this isn't an accident. This isn't the work of some creative staff. This is the work of the Lord. And he has you here for a purpose. There is a reason that you're in this room. A divine, holy reason. And some of you are going, ah, oh, yeah, right, sure, right. Stop it. It's true. Gideon challenged the truth of God too. And then he threw out a bunch of fleeces. You can go read about that later. 
But then Gideon says, okay, I'll believe it a little bit. Let me tell you what happened. I'm going to challenge you to believe it a little bit. You are beautiful. You are beloved. You are in the hands of the Father, that he is in the move, and he is asking us to dance with him. And come on, let's dance. Gideon said, okay, I'm in. Let's see what happens. 32,000 men gathered around them. Can you imagine? Okay, from the wine press to standing on a hill with 32,000 men going, oh, who do we kill? <laughs> okay, that's pretty good, isn't it? So Gideon's feeling like, all right, dance. This is all right. Hey, all right. And then the Lord, the, that angel guy comes back and says, hey, uh, Gideon, you got too many men. What? Have you seen the Midians? They, they're in the thousands. They already still outnumber us. And he goes, no, 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 you, you don't understand. See, the Lord wants you and Israel to behold his glory. And you've got too many men for him to reveal that. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Call all the men together and then say to them, hey, are any of you afraid? Come on, be honest. Are you afraid? Come on, any of you shaken? You know, you're a little apprehensive about going to battle. Raise your hand. They raise their hand and he says, all of you can go home. <laughs> 10,000 left. No, I'm sorry, 22,000 left. 12,000 men were left standing on that hill. So if I was Gideon, I would still be counting my men and still be working out my strategies, still living like I was still in the wine press. You know, how safe am I now? You know, am I okay? You know, if, what, how are we going to do that? Okay, maybe we can make this work. And then the Lord comes to me and goes, Hey, Gideon, we got a problem. You still have too many men. And he goes, well, what do we do now? And he goes, well, send them down to the water and uh, let them get a drink. So they go down and get a drink. And he goes, uh, all the men that, that reached down with their hands and drank water with their hands, call them to your side. So after these 12,000 men drink, he says this, and how many come to his side? 300 people. 300 men come to his side, and the angel goes, now you're ready. You've got to be kidding me. What is going on here? He wanted Gideon. He wanted Israel. He wanted those of us that are reading it right now. He wants you, Midtown, to understand in your life what you are facing, what we're facing as a community. Get this, because we are the beloved the battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. The battle, fill in the blank in your own personal life. Maybe it's doubt and belief. Awesome. Let's get into that battle. Because the battle is the Lord's. He is on the move. For us community and for us individually. He wants us to see him. Because the battle is the Lord's. He's jealous for his glory. And he's jealous to reveal his light to us. He likes to show off. He wants us to see him. Hmm. So what does that mean for us as a community? Because Gideon said, okay, what's the plan? Let's go. And it had to do with pots and tricks and torches and screaming. And go read it. It's an awesome story. All right? And so they go, and he even doubted in the middle of that. And the Lord said, okay, well, go sneak into the camp and listen to this guy's dream. And so this guy woke up out of a dream, and 
Gideon's like, so God just meets him at every place in his doubts and his fears and his insecurities and keeps saying, mighty warrior, mighty warrior, mighty warrior, Lord is with you, Lord is with you, Lord is with you. So what does that mean for us as a community? Hey, Midtown, we are a missional community because we serve a missional God. What does that mean? Every one of us in this community are missionaries. So the trolley is taking us all to Africa right after this service. <laughs> Who's with me? Okay, a few of you. No, we need to reclaim the word missionary. It's not just those that go to Africa. It's us. It's those of us that serve a missional God right where we're at. Really? See, Gideon, after they routed the armies, they cracked the pots and everybody fled. And, and then in the next chapter, we, something, we see something really remarkable. Gideon not only started to believe in the promises of God, he started to crazy believe the promises of God. And what do I mean by that? He took his 300 men after they had routed the armies and 15,000 of the enemies started to flee. And Gideon turned to his 300 and he says, Let's go get them. I mean, it's one thing to pull a trick off in the middle of the night, right? It's another thing to get on a horse with 300 men and go after 15,000. Nobody would even help them on the road because they said, you're idiots. If we give you bread, those guys are just going to come back and kill us. You're on your own. Gideon said, yeah, somebody's coming back. But it won't be them. You see this, this, this faith in this God is revealing himself. Guys, that's us. That we're not only believing together collectively here, man. God is with us because we're in church. It's a worship service. Ooh, yeah. You know? But when you leave this room, that you start to believe something and you start to understand that God is with you when you leave here. Missional, what does that mean for us? We are committed here at Midtown to preach the Word of God. We are committed to preach the full counsel of God. We believe the gospel. We believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything because it changes us. Missional also means that we believe as a community we are called to live in the gospel. That we're called to live a life of repentance and allowing the gospel to flow into every aspect of my life. Relationships, my money, my sexuality, my work, my calling. That gospel should flow into every part of who I am. Missional also means that we're free to live in culture, right? We live in a city, but we're not hiding from the city. We love the city, and I'm free to move and groove in this city and to hear where people are at and love where they're at and engage with them. Missional also means that we're free to bring the freedom of that gospel to the same city that we love, that we're free to call others to the dance, and invite others that find themselves broken down in wine presses and call them to the hill to see the light of what the Lord is doing. We're free to do that. Missional also means that one of the ways Midtown's doing that is by creating more congregations all over this city. That we're a multi-congregational church vision. See, I really want us to believe something. Will you join with me in that? This move, moving to Sunday night, and then moving to Rocket Town, and then moving to our own space, it's like the perfect storm. 
It's the perfect storm for us to believe that the Lord is with us. That we are his mighty warriors. That the strength of the Lord is our strength. Does that make sense? Yeah? Are you ready? The Lord's doing something. I said to our staff about a year ago, I think the Lord is putting us in a situation to help us do something that we would have never chosen on our own. I'm not sure Gideon would have ever left the wine press. He certainly wouldn't have left it if the angel would have told him, here's the plan, 300 men against the entire army. He got hoodwinked, bushwhacked, bamboozled, and so are we. But we're, we're getting that from a loving father. Okay. I just have one last thing to say. In chapter 8, <clears throat> at the end, Gideon's coming back and they're all wanting to make him king because he routed the 15,000 with his 300. Guy was a mighty warrior. I mean, he was bad. You know, and the Lord was with him in an amazing way. And when he came back, they were like, Gideon, Gideon, much like Mitch. And they wanted to make him king. And he said, no, I'm not going to be king because the Lord has made it clear that he doesn't want somebody to be king because he's the king. But here's what I will take. How about an earring? No kidding. He said, everybody that fought and was involved in this, I know everybody got a bunch of plunder, you know. How about just everybody give me one gold earring? Okay, he was a fashion freak. They piled up pounds and pounds of gold. And out of that, he made an ephod. That's what I would make. What is that? It was actually a priestly garment that they wore under their robes. And he made one out of solid gold and placed it on a stand in the middle of the city that it was his hometown. Now, why did he do that? I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. I mean, like, this wasn't the, where the temple was. He wasn't a priest. It wasn't like it was ever used in any kind of temple worship, you know, but he made this solid gold thing that was a monument that everyone would remember every time they saw that, what Gideon did. Mm. And the Bible says it became a stumbling block for Israel because they began to worship it. Here's the warning that I want to give us. After Gideon, his great story, we still see we need Jesus. There's not a man that came before Jesus that was able to rescue us from our ultimate enemy, which is ourself and our own sin. Jesus came and gave all that he had that he would be a living Savior not just a monument of what happened in the past, but a living God that's working right now and moving in this room. See, we have to be careful that Midtown, our trust is not in a building, is it? Boy, if we could get a building, then we could do what the Lord wants us to do. Will he give us a building? Maybe. And how will he use it? Any way he wants to. Because our hope is not in a building. Our hope is not in Midtown Fellowship. Man, Midtown, now that church has got it going on. Please. We got problems too. It's like looking at your face in one of those magnifying mirrors. Don't ever do that. 
That's terrifying. Like they have them like at makeup counters, you know? And you, you realize your face looks like the Grand Canyon when you look at it close. Guess what? You get from far away, we look awesome. It's because our chairs, you know? But you get close, you're going to realize that, hey, this place is made up of you. Yeah. Need I say more? You're a messy, inconsistent person desperately in need of grace more than you'll even admit. I know that to be true about you. Because we have spies. <laughs> no, because I know that about me. And that's the honest journey of the gospel is because I am such... I am a man that often lives in the wine press and my father is calling me to come and dance with him on the hills. So our hope is not in a building. Our hope is not in Midtown. Our hope is not in me. Our hope is in the Lord. Jesus is the Lord of the church. When he stops being the Lord of the church, we will stop doing church. So I just want to encourage you it's time to dance. So how do we dance? Let me give you a couple suggestions. This is a great season for you to say to yourself, is the gospel impacting every area of my life? If you say, I don't even know what that question means, that's awesome. Would you begin to understand what that means? Become a part of one of the small groups. There are people all over our community that are going through Gospel 101 in small groups. There's Reasons for God classes that are going on that are wrestling with doubts and fears, just like Gideon had. There's stuff that's going, the J3 stuff is coming up. And if you can't find anything that fits your schedule, we'll make something fit your schedule. Are you ready to step into the journey of the gospel in your own life? Secondly, hey, step into the journey of this community. Volunteer. Come early. Drive the trolley. You may have to tie her up first, but serve. Get involved. Make this a place that, where people feel welcomed and the coffee's hot and make this transition awesome for you guys and for families and for kids. Volunteer in the children's ministries. Grasp three. Grasp God's vision for your life. God has placed you someplace other than here. You don't stay in here seven days a week. You're about to go somewhere to your family, to your work, to your neighborhood, to your community, to the city, to the arts, wherever you go. Will you believe, like Gideon, that God has given you strength, that he is with you, and he has made you a mighty warrior? And what does it look like to live out the gospel there? That's a fun question, isn't it? But you know what? It's as terrifying for Gideon to leave the wine press as it is for you to answer the question, what does it mean for you to take the gospel out of this building into your life, into your fears, into your doubts, into your hurts, into your wounds, into your relationships, into the way that you're choosing to live your life? You ready? It's a dance. Scripture says, let us set our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I think this move is going to give us an opportunity as a community to lift our eyes and to see what is unseen and to marvel at the might and the strength of our God who loves to show off his glory. Okay? You ready? Okay, we'll keep giving you details over the next three or four weeks. 
So we're moving to Sunday night, 5 o'clock, uh, Weston Community Church. It's over off White Bridge Road. It's a temporary move till we get back to Rocket Town. Okay? Ready? <laughs> the trolley will not go with us. <clears throat> I know, there's actually parking over there and in uh, an air conditioner, and there's chairs are cushioned. You're not supposed to cheer that. Come on. All right. Let me pray. And, uh, and what I'm about to pray is that I just threw a lot at you. If you're like me, you see a lot of Gideon in your life. But here's where we need to make it personal, okay? Is what has you trapped in the wine press this morning? What fear, what hopelessness, what discouragement has got you living a very unnatural life. It's unnatural to thresh wheat in a wine press. What wine press are you living in this morning? And let's dare to say to the Lord, hey, I want to talk about that. And start that dialogue this morning, and let's worship Him and invite the Lord, as that angel came and spoke words, invite Him to come and look at us and not let us dodge the words that He's saying to us, okay? All right. Father, Thank you that we're losing our building. Thank you that we're moving to West End. Thank you that we're moving back to Rocket Town. Thank you that we're looking for our own place. Thank you for all the disruption, all the chaos, all the changed plans, all the new directions, all the stuff we need to do to the website, all the things that people need to know between now and then. Thank you for all of that. Because this morning as a community, we believe that you are on the move. And this is a part of your plan to nurture and love us in ways that maybe we can't see right now. But Lord, draw us out of our fear. Draw us out of the wine press of hopelessness and discouragement. And let us stand on that hill with our brothers and sisters. And that in your light, we would see light for our lives and for each other. So right now, Father, we just pause because many of us in this room are still trapped in the wine press. Now I pray you would just reveal to them, Lord, where their wine press is and what you're calling them out of. Lord, it can be a fearful thing to be called into a dance with one that loves us so intently and whose look goes right through us. But thank you that you call yourself love and that we are free to dance. In Christ's name.